You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with the deepening crisis in the Middle East as thousands of people gather in Jackpool Plaza at this hour in support of Israel. We now have confirmation a B.C. man is among the victims of Hamas's brutal attack. We'll go live to that rally in just a moment. But first, the latest on the escalating conflict. Israel striking back at Hamas and destruction in Gaza causing a deepening humanitarian crisis. Reggie Cicchini reports. There's barely an hour that goes by where residents in Gaza are not forced to flee amid an onslaught of Israeli rockets but it's a response to actions carried out by Hamas, including hundreds of missiles fired towards the city of Ashkelon on Tuesday, keeping the Iron Dome at work. The civilian death toll on both sides is enormous. The obligation to take constant care to spare the civilian population and civilian objects remains applicable throughout the attacks. This conflict is only escalating. Israel vows it will win and permanently end the barbaric actions taken by Hamas. This neighborhood was brutally attacked and slaughtered. How the militants amassed a seemingly unending weapons supply is still unknown, but there's grave worry for those Israelis and foreign nationals caught up in their actions. I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery, recovery efforts. The United States, a staunch ally, is moving military vessels into the region and promising more munitions. But it's a delicate situation for Joe Biden, who's offering unequivocal support without, for now, a requirement to exercise restraint. As the Palestinian death toll increases, there will be growing internal domestic opposition um, across countries that are, you know, putting its support towards Israel. There is a growing humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Access points have been cut off, with the UN calling for a safe passage corridor, cut off amid growing speculation of a ground offensive. But very soon, the food supplies and basic needs in Gaza are going to run out. This is yet another war reverberating around the world, with many offering to mediate a resolution that, from the ground, may seem like an impossible task. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Now more on the 22-year-old Vancouver man killed in the Hamas attack on a music festival in Israel's south. Those who knew him say Ben Mizrahi was a leader with a huge personality. And as Travis Prasad reports, Mizrahi's family and friends believe he sacrificed his life to help save others. Larger than life, just big personality, you know, big smile, always. Irit Yuzan remembers her former student, Ben Mizrahi. She describes the 2018 grad of King David High School as the life of the party, a natural leader embarking on a new chapter. Uh, a few months ago when he came in for what turned out to be his last visit with us. Uh, he was super excited to let me know that he um, had accepted uh, an engineering placement at a university in Israel. But the 22-year-old wouldn't get the chance to go to school. Mizrahi was killed in southern Israel while at a music festival targeted by Hamas. The joyful playing coming from the Mizrahi house, for me, has always been a source of joy. And, uh, of course, that, that will change forever now. Rabbi Jonathan Infeld is neighbors with the Mizrahi family. He visited Ben's parents on Saturday just before they flew to Israel to look for him, at that time unsure of his fate. 
There's really no way to describe how, how someone must be feeling knowing that your child is missing and, and your child is missing because of, a, 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 of an unprovoked attack. Mizrahi was the eldest of four children. His parents remain in Israel, where his funeral will be held on Wednesday. In his final moments, it's believed Mizrahi, a trained medic, was tending to victims at the festival. Knowing Ben can only imagine that, you know, there was some kind of self-sacrifice there, that he was looking out for others. And... That he was not putting himself first. At King David High School, a candlelight memorial for a standout student who won't be forgotten. Travis Prasad, Global News. The Hamas attack at that same music festival also took the life of a 33-year-old man who grew up in the Montreal area. We all just crumbled. We just crumbled. Alex Look was on vacation in Israel with friends at the Supernova Music Festival when Hamas militants stormed into the crowd and began firing. His mother, Raquel Anona, received a video call from him when the attack began, and she watched as her son tried to escape from the gunfire. And then I hear him yell to his friends, the white pickup is coming our way, and there's a lot of them. So then I hear scurrying. I don't see anymore, I'm just hearing scurrying, scurrying. And then I hear multiple rounds of shots, 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 shots. And I crumble to the ground and I said, they're in the midst of killing our son. So far, Ben Mizrahi and Alex Look are the only Canadians confirmed dead in the conflict in Israel. Surrey teacher and inclusion diversity expert Annie Ohana is desperately trying to get her family out of Israel and back home to Canada. Ohana, who is a Sephardic Jewish, a Sephardic Jew, recently spent months as a humanitarian helping Palestinians in the conflict zone. She's calling for peace and unity on both sides and is worried about her Canadian family still, still stuck inside the country. My parents are stuck there. Um, we are trying to figure out a way that either a plane from Canada goes out to, you know, take these people home or that the, the airport reopens in some way, right? Um, just something. Uh, but th then again, the rest of my family is still there. Um, and so how do you protect Israeli families, Palestinian families, you know, all the families that have nowhere to go? Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely heart-wrenching. Late this afternoon, Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie tweeting, Canada will send a Canadian Armed Forces aircraft to help take Canadian citizens out. A gathering to show solidarity with the Israeli people is underway at Jack Poole Plaza in Vancouver right now. And our Aaron MacArthur is there live with more on the turnout and the message from the podium. Aaron. Chris, about 2,500 people here, I would... I would imagine all standing in solidarity with it, the people of Israel. Raw emotions in the crowd right now. Equal parts anger at what is happening in Israel and sadness for those who are lost. We've heard from federal politicians saying that the Canadian government stands with Israel. We've heard with, from provincial politicians who are offering their condolences to people who have lost so much already. We're hearing calls for peace on both sides, as we've heard of the show already. 
A Holocaust survivor talking today was extremely powerful, saying these civilians were targeted in the one land where the Jewish people are supposed to feel safe. At the beginning of the rally, classmates and friends of Ben Mizrahi spoke. They described him much as we've heard tonight, an outstanding student, a kind, generous person, and their emotion talking about their lost friend was difficult to hear. Ben, we are so proud of you and we will always miss you. Please pray for Ben's family, for all the families who have lost their loved ones, as well as those wounded. Keep believing in the state of Israel and continue to be proud of our Judaism like Ben always was. There's also a fairly large presence from the Vancouver Police Department here making sure that this rally is peaceful and that it is free from counter-protests and any other sorts of violence. So far, none of that has been experienced here. Everyone standing together supporting the Israeli people and, and what's happened uh, over, the la over the last few days. Chris, Sophie. Hearing some of that enthusiasm in the crowd right there. Thanks very much, Aaron. That's Aaron MacArthur reporting in Vancouver. A desperate search is underway in Whistler for an 80-year-old man who went missing while walking his dog. Cassidy Moscone is live with more on the volunteers, friends and family who are trying to find him. Cassidy. Sophie, the area that you can see behind us right now is the last confirmed sighting of Robert McKean. That's Alpine Meadows. He was spotted on security camera at a nearby construction site. But it's been more than 30 hours since then and this search is still going. Search and rescue crews move up the mountain to try and track a missing man down. 80-year-old Robert McKean. He's been a resident of Whistler for some 40-odd years and uh, has an active history of, of hiking in the area. The local last seen walking in Alpine Meadows with his 15-year-old dog Lexi just after 10 Monday morning. The highest probability area is quite rugged um, and um, has seen a mix of uh, fire history and uh, yesterday was uh, a very inclement weather situation with uh, low clouds, uh, mist and fog and at times heavy rain. Search teams from across the sea to sky corridor in the air and walking side by side with strangers. I was on my way to work this morning and I had like an overwhelming feeling come over me and said no, so I called in for work and said could I please take the day off. Even his daughter. The terrain is steep. It's grizzly country. And trails here are currently closed due to cougar activity. This is the appeal to the public. Robert McKean is five foot six, about 130 pounds, slim build. He was last seen wearing a green jacket, a baseball cap, blue jeans and a blue Canucks hoodie. All right, Cassidy, what do we know about the resources being used for this search? Well, they're really throwing everything they have at this. Trace scenting dogs and infrared drones are amongst the many tools being used here today. Um, search crews tell us that they now believe Robert is off trail and the effort to find him is not over yet. Sophie and Chris.
All right, thanks for that. Cassidy Moscone reporting tonight in Whistler. Thousands of British Columbians invited to take their shot at staying healthy. The COVID vaccine rollout and flu shot campaigns begin in parallel today. How many people booked appointments? Next on the News Hour. Are you tempted to throw your shoes up there? No. <laughs> no. A story with soul in Tofino, solving the mystery of why so many shoes are hanging from a power line later on the news hour. Plus, learning to identify and neutralize cybersecurity threats at a new training center in Calgary. That's coming up later as well. Right now, though, more than 90,000 British Columbians have signed up for a COVID shot this week as the province launches its fall vaccination campaign. Now, most British Columbians have had at least one shot, but as Grace Key reports, there are signs of vaccination fatigue. Have you had a COVID vaccine in the past six months? No. Ingrid Alicia signed up right away when she got her COVID invitation last week. She was able to get an appointment along with her flu shot. It is really important. Uh, I'm seeing my parents in about two weeks, so um, <clears throat> I think it's important I protect myself and I protect other people. The PharmaSave at City Square in Vancouver has about 200 doses, enough to last half a week. For now, they aren't booking any more COVID appointments, but will be expecting more vaccines to arrive in the coming days. Other years we have had a pretty steady supply of COVID shots and flu shots. Um, it's usually the initial week we see a bit of um, a shortage because everybody's trying to come in at the same time to get their shots, which is why there's a bit of a shortage. But once we enter into week two, week three, the supply does get more steady. So we will be able to accommodate everybody and um, get their vaccines done. As of Monday evening, 633,000 invitations were issued to healthcare workers, the vulnerable and elderly. 94,000 appointments have been booked this week, and that includes 28,500 for Tuesday. So today is the day. Hopefully it will be easily available. I would invite everyone to uh, be a bit patient. This is the first day. There may be uh, uh, not, uh, the system may not be perfect today, but really try to get your shots, both COVID and flu at the same time as soon as you can. Gayton Claver was hoping to get a COVID shot as a walk-in, but will have to do with just the flu shot. I do some travel, so I want to protect myself, so... So I'm on top of it. <laughs> Latest numbers show in the last week of September, there were 877 COVID cases with 228 hospitalizations. 25 were in critical care and 24 people died. The province was one of the highest jurisdictions in North America to get vaccinated, with 87% of British Columbians getting the first dose. But up until now, only 33% have gotten the fourth dose. We'll have to see how much COVID fatigue has set in with the latest vaccination campaign. Grace Key, Global News. BC is the first province to sign a federal health care funding agreement and will now get $1.2 billion over the next three years. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on where the money will be going. Keith. Yeah, $1.2 billion on the face of it sounds like a lot of money. In the largest scheme of things, you compare it to our health care system, not a heck of a lot of money. About less than 1.5% of our annual budget. We, this breaks down about $400 million a year. We're spending about $28 billion a year. Uh, so if it was spread over the entire system, it wouldn't have much of an impact. But this is going to be targeted spending the way BC wants to see the money spent. Here's how the numbers break down. Again, most of this money, about three-quarters of it, will go to improving nurse-to-patient ratios in 83 
three acute care centers, largely hospitals around BC. So nurses, if you're a nurse, this is good news for you. Three, uh, 19 additional foundry centers. These are centers for young people uh, dealing with mental health issues and substance abuse issues. And also in terms of information, big part of what the federal government's looking for, ensuring that three quarters of the people in BC can access their electronic health records to better plan their own health care and their health outcomes. Adrian, Adrian Dix, the health minister, making the point today, when you throw $200, $300 million at a system when it comes to nurses and against targeted spending, that's bound to have a big impact. The largest share of the money under this agreement will go to support uh, nurses, particularly nurses in acute care. So that's uh, 200, 250, and 300 million dollars in each of the next three years of the agreement. That's 750 over three, and that's the majority of the funds in the agreement. There will also be, um, in addition to the mental health and the and the, the nursing proposals, proposals around diagnostic care, around wait lists, and around digital care, uh, all of which and and supports. Uh, uh, the kind of supports we put in place, for example, in cancer care to recruit doctors there. So going back to Grace's story on vaccinations, in the course of my story, I just got texted. My vaccine for COVID-19 and the flu is now available to me, so I've got my invite. I'm going to be making that appointment. I don't have vaccination fatigue. It's going to be a tough respiratory illness season. I've got a number of friends laid out quite badly with COVID right now. I don't want to be one of them. I'm getting my COVID vaccine and my flu vaccine as soon as possible. Right in line with the best advice from healthcare professionals. Keith, thanks very much. Well, it's been a source of frustration for years. Internationally trained professionals in healthcare and other fields navigating the rigmarole to get certified here in BC. Now, as Richard Zussman reports, the provincial government will be introducing new legislation to streamline and speed up that process. It's been as painful, seemingly, as pulling teeth. Sarah Montessor Hojat getting her credentials to work as a dentist here in Canada. It's pretty tough, like emotional aspect of it, mental health, and um, this is still happening. Montessor Hojat trained in the Philippines and practiced in Iran for six years. She's been in BC for the last three years. The biggest issue has been scheduling equivalency tests, both because of lack of openings and flexibility. It's not even the matter of us not being able to show that we are competent, is that we don't even get the chance to prove that we're ready to contribute to the society. To eliminate challenges like these and many others, the province will be introducing foreign credentialing legislation at some point this month. Thanks, Premier David Eby hosting uh, a town hall so Monday much, uh, to hear directly from those most and, uh, impacted. I have talked to too many people with incredible skills that we know we need that haven't been able to do the work that they want to do and they're working in some other area where they're less satisfied, they're making less money and it's not helping build the kind of province we want. Another challenge is getting workers into the workforce. Community and business groups are hoping new legislation will include more requirements around mentorship and coordination. A lot of times the information, yes, is out there and it's available in the broader sense, but in terms of dealing with the new immigrants coming in, they're not really no, they don't really know where that information is available. And even worse, sometimes the information can be detrimental to those trying to find work here, including a recent experience Montessor Hojad had. Pretty much what she told us is that we are not needed. Um, obviously, these are not her words, but this was the message ultimately that we don't need dentists and you should go become a hygienist. Another roadblock in a credentialing journey full of them. Thank you so much, Sarah. Richard Osman, Global News, Victoria. Uh,
The accused in a series of cold case sex assaults free to roam the streets despite recommendations to keep him in custody. What happened at his court appearance today coming up? Plus, and I started kicking it and screaming for help. The terrifying encounter with an urban raccoon that left a woman and her dog injured. And the surprising response from animal control. Delays due to a car in the ditch here in Surrey. It's affecting traffic both ways on 168th Street and 40th Avenue. Traffic is blocked both ways because of this vehicle in the ditch. Contact Kermac for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermac Cares for Kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services, and that's no accident. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. I have a car in the ditch in Surrey. From the stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. A man accused of four cold case sex assaults in Vancouver dating back more than a decade had another court appearance today. He wasn't actually there for it, and it adds to criticism of the judicial system because, as Kristen Robinson reports, he has been released on bail despite recommendations he be kept in custody. Hello, Arturo. It's Kristen Robinson from Global News. Can we speak with you? Arturo Garcia Gorhan lists a ground-level suite in this building in Burnaby's Brentwood neighborhood as his address on court documents. Neighbors we spoke with say they haven't seen the 45-year-old accused sex offender. In late July, Gorhan was released on $15,000 bail after he was arrested and charged in connection with four cold case sexual assaults. Crown opposed his release. Police also sought to have Gorhan detained. We did ask for remand in this particular case. Um, he went before a judge and the judge made the decision to release him with conditions. Gorhan must abide by five release conditions reporting to his bail supervisor in person at least once a month, not changing his address or phone number without written permission, not applying for any new international travel documents, including passports, no contact with his four alleged victims, and instructing sheriffs to hand over his travel documents to police. Gorhan is accused of four counts of sexual assault for alleged incidents in July and November 2009 and June and December 2010 in Vancouver. Police got a break this past January when investigators were able to link a fourth sexual assault to three earlier cases, leading to the suspect's arrest in Regina. Gorhan's next appearance in Vancouver Provincial Court is October 24th. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A Vancouver woman is recovering after being attacked by a raccoon this weekend while she was out walking her dog. As Catherine Urquhart reports, she says despite the severity of her injuries, no one from the city will do anything to deal with the aggressive animal. Catherine Urquhart reports, and a warning, some of the images in this story are disturbing. I was screaming, somebody help, somebody help. Carol Alexander was bitten all over her lower and upper legs, leaving her covered in blood. I didn't realize, though, how, how badly bit I was until after I got it to back off. Her chihuahua Pomeranian mix, Mo, was also injured. It jumped off the fence and ran at us and attacked us here. Both were attacked by a raccoon Saturday night while walking with Alexander's daughter in the 600 block of East 47th. At the time, Mo was leashed. It just jumped down off of the fence. 
um, tried to attack him. I picked him up and held him up in the air, and then it just started biting my legs, crawling off me. The registered clinical counselor says the battle continued. I had like yoga pants on, like capris on and running shoes, and it just it just mauled my legs. Alexander says the incident follows several complaints to the city, which took no action. Absolutely, I expected more when I called the city because, you know, if it was a dog attacking you, the city would very much get involved. The city of Vancouver says raccoons fall outside of its regulations as they are protected under the Provincial Wildlife Act. It's unclear if any neighbors have been feeding the raccoons, but one wildlife rescuer is reminding people against doing so and offer these tips if you encounter a raccoon. Keep your distance. Um, ensure that you um, are not cornering the animal or making the animal feel threatened in any way. And in particular, if it's a mother with young or babies with her, then she needs to be given a wide berth. Mo has since received a rabies shot and antibiotics. Doctors told Alexander she didn't need a shot, but gave her antibiotics. And while both are on the mend, their nighttime walks are, for now, on hold. We're terrified to go for a walk now. It could be anywhere, right? <laughs> it could jump out right now, for all I know. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, thankfully, attacks like that are rare, and more often these urban critters deserve our sympathy. And a raccoon in Port Moody had to be rescued Monday night after getting stuck in a big waste bin. A curious raccoon was trapped in a container at a, con a construction site near Clark Road. A security guard called police after hearing the animal wailing in distress. Officers had to be creative to get the raccoon out. They put a 2x4 into the bin to create a makeshift ramp. The raccoon jumped up onto the wood and successfully climbed out of the bin. Port Moody police say he appeared to be in good health as he made his way out. Just ahead, white hats battling dark forces. They would learn how to protect the companies from being attacked. The new cybersecurity center training soldiers in a war that uses computer code as weapons. Plus, the message and the meaning behind a new campaign targeting youth mental health. If you get global news from Instagram or Facebook, that has changed due to Meta's decision to block Canadian news in response to new government legislation. Easy access to important breaking news and information in Canada and about your community is no longer available on Meta platforms. Go to globalnews.ca and sign up to get news alerts delivered directly to you and learn about how Bill C-18 affects your access to Canadian news. All your local news. All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. Crews are still on scene to a tipped over semi here in Delta from this morning on the 91 connector on route to westbound Highway 17. Traffic is able to squeeze by on the left. Contact Kermac for expert windshield repair and replacement services while supporting Kermac Cares for Kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services, and that's no accident. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hype of a tipped over semi in Delta. Alberta is tackling the growing threat of cybercrime head-on with the opening of a new teaching facility at the University of Calgary. 
Global's Tomasia De Silva has more on the groundbreaking new center. Growing tremendously, this is huge. Huge and costly, trillions of dollars estimated lost globally, never mind the other damages. I've had friends in the past that have been cyber hacked. Embarrassment in front of family and friends, um, some things got leaked. With like social media spreading everywhere now and people using online accounts more, um, it definitely is a big issue. Now, a new center at the University of Calgary hopes to stop these cyber criminals in their tracks. Right now, we're running one of the machines. Yeah. Essentially using special tools to train people and actually simulate hacks and threats. We're not teaching them how to hack, but they would learn how to protect the companies from being attacked. You're going to enter your password and The tools can be pretty simple, testing the security of your password. What so, shouldn't you use? Uh, common words or repeated letters or repeated numbers. Great! So I, as you can see here, it will take months for it to crack it if there's a data breach. You can also see things from the other side, the side of the actual hacker. Okay, so, in this, so I am the hacker. That's right, you are the hacker. It took me seconds to get in. It was as easy as that. And get the sensitive info. If you always use really simple passwords, if you're not secure, they can crack it in seconds. Those behind this groundbreaking center say this won't eliminate cyber attacks, but add every little tool helps. Knowing how to put out the fires would save a lot of uh, damage versus not knowing how to do it right. Tomasio Da Silva, Global News. Vancouver Coastal Health is launching a child and youth mental health awareness campaign. The On Your Mind campaign was announced on World Mental Health Day. It focuses on children and youth and early intervention in mental health. Beginning today, you'll start seeing promotional materials in key locations from newspapers and transit ads to posters and brochures in schools and community centers, all with links to supportive resources. We know that poor mental health experiences in child, childhood have lasting impacts. We also know that early intervention is critical. This campaign will have parents and other involved adults identify early signs and symptoms of mental health challenges in young people and direct them to relevant mental health information, supports and resources offered in our, re in our region of Vancouver Coastal Health um, by us as well as our community partners. One of the real challenges that we are working so hard to address across the mental health and substance use space is that of stigma and um, people not always wanting to feel uncomfortable coming forward and talking about um, what they may be experiencing or challenges that they, that they may have. And so the more that we can normalize and make it okay and provide pathways for, um, for people and particularly youth to come forward, that is, uh, that is, really, that is really important. A number of community partners are engaged in the awareness campaign along with the Canadian Mental Health Association. Coming up, Tofino's Hanging Shoe Mystery. Looks like hanging garbage around. <laughs> I don't know. The strange collection that keeps getting bigger and bigger. And later in sports, the beginning of the Bedard era. The young superstar takes on his childhood idol in his first real NHL game. From protecting small business gems to outing big business bullies. If it matters to consumers, it matters to investigative reporter Andrewa. Consumer Matters with Andrewa. 
on Global News. From the stories breaking right now to all the day's issues. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. I got tricked by the blue sky and sunshine this afternoon. What happened? Did well, you... I ended up running across the courtyard just before oh. showtime and I got rained on. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, I see. You'd think I could have <laughs> yeah, noticed it... that it was raining out there, but I think it just started to get wet again. Yeah, well, that's exactly how it was today. It was on and off, and when it came down, it was heavy at times, and then it would clear up. Uh, so we have a little bit more of that on the way, but it is trending towards more blue sky if you're uh, worried about it. Um, I wanted to quickly mention we broke records again yesterday. We finally got the numbers late last night from Environment Canada. Um, so Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we broke records across the province. Sparwood was the hot spot in, at 24 degrees, uh, as you can see there. So blowing past some some long-standing records all right so today was much different we saw waves of rainfall and one of the reasons why Chris was saying like all of a sudden it was coming down you can see it's just sort of these bands and at times it's really intense so this upper level low will be contending with tonight but it is going to shift out of the region it has meant some rainfall for the BC Peace River area thankfully but it also has brought in a few lightning strikes these were your daytime highs for today so much cooler indeed we're in the low teens for most areas now into tomorrow morning we're going to see this upper level low begin to sort of shift down in a way and we'll see a bulk of it shift off in Alberta so although I am still expecting a fair amount of cloud and a chance of showers tomorrow morning we're trending towards clearer skies and certainly brightness uh, by the afternoon and that is expected to stay through our Thursday and our Friday so here's a look periods of rain for Fort St. John yes that's what we need and we need that into the Chetwin area also we're expecting still a chance of showers in the morning for the interior regions and and it's a very slight chance for the South Coast area. Uh, we are expecting the cloud cover to linger a little bit longer for those of you in the Fraser Valley. So it's a clearing trend from west to east for most areas. Uh, we are expecting sunshine on Thursday and Friday. Look at the temperatures. Highs of 20 degrees potentially away from the water on Friday before temperatures drop once again. And the rain is expected to shift back in over the weekend. We've been back and forth between sunshine and rain. And honestly, that's really what we want for fall. So it's things are sort of trending in the right direction, although prolonged periods of rain would be helpful for the drought. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Vanderhoof. And by the way, everyone in Vanderhoof, we don't get very, very many photos from your area. So keep sending them in. This one is a stunning shot of a double double rainbow. Thanks to Jasmine for that. That's a beautiful shot. And if that's the price we have to pay for going back and forth, the rain and sunshine, I'll pay it all day long. Right. If you have the mm -hmm. pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, for sure. Yeah, for <laughs> then sure. You can afford it. You'd add that. Uh, mm. All right, Squire is here. We've got a lot of Connors in your sportscast. That is true. That's a very good point. Connor Bedard, Connor Garland, whose agent has been given permission to look for a team who may want to trade for him. You know, that's that's not my focus. That's that's his focus. My focus is on tomorrow night. Yeah, Garland didn't really say he wants out of Vancouver, but if he did get traded, the Canucks would get some salary cap room, provided they trade not for equal salary. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight, the footwear phenomenon that has people talking in Tofino. The shell game in sports, managing 
salaries and payrolls. Egos. But I don't have to do it. Personalities. Mm -hmm. A lot there. Kind of like running a newsroom. Almost <laughs> the same. I'm not so sure the salaries are as high. No. Nope. But everything else counts. Um, the Vancouver Canucks are out of salary cap space. It's kind of like a party at a bachelor suite. There's no room to move. So it's not surprising that Vancouver gave Connor Garland's agent permission to see if any team in the NHL wants to trade for him because trading Garland, providing they don't trade for a player with equal money, would free up possibly as much as $4.95 million. But Garland himself, who was supposed to play in the first line tomorrow with Pedersen against Edmonton, wasn't keen on talking about that story this morning at practice. Is that accurate? Has your new agent been given permission to look for a well, like I said, I mean, that's that's not my focus. That's that's his focus. My focus is on tomorrow night and having a good practice today, and we did, so just excited for tomorrow. Connor Garland is the Vancouver Canucks' fifth highest paid player, and we're about to see if any teams in the NHL have interest in a forward making just shy of $5 million a season for this year and two more. This after it became public that Garland's new agent has been given permission to seek out a trade for his client who scored 17 goals last season and has never hit for 20 in his two seasons with the Canucks. Uh, I got a good relationship with Gar, so I, you know, for me, I talked to him a lot. Um, but I, yeah, he told me he was going to get a new agent. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, good for him, I guess. You know, he didn't feel whatever he felt, so maybe that will help his mind going forward, whatever he does. But, uh, you know, I expect him, you know, he'll be playing with Peter tomorrow, so I think he's excited about that. Are you happy to be a Vancouver Canuck? Yeah, I, I mean, why, why wouldn't I be? I mean, I've been here for two years. Um, you know, I have some really, really good friends here. Uh, it's been, uh, it's, 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 it's a fun place to play. We've had, uh, we've had a good couple weeks here to get ready, and, um, you know, I feel like we're, we're focused, and we got a big task tomorrow. You know, he wants a... He wants to contribute, you know, and he told me that he, you know, he came to this camp, wanted to be a Vancouver and contribute. So um, I didn't hear he wanted to get traded. He never told me that. So unless a trade happens between now and tomorrow, which it probably won't, Connor Garland will start the season as a Canuck. Who else will play tomorrow? Well, we don't fully know that because there has been a bit of a flu outbreak in Vancouver's dressing room, and it's been hitting a number of players for the last week and a bit. Uh there is uh, the, the uh, last game against Calgary. There were uh, uh, more than a handful of players that that would a little bit under the weather there, but they played through it here. And then um, you guys uh, noticed that uh, some of the players uh, didn't uh, participate in the practice on Sunday, I believed. Um, so there is there is some uh, something going around. What about COVID? COVID? Uh, no COVID. No COVID. That's good. When the Canucks put out their roster yesterday, Ilya Mikheyev was on the injured reserve after spending all training camp trying to get his knee back in shape. It had surgery earlier this year. That was the injury that forced him out of the lineup late January last season. Now, Vancouver needs Mikheyev. He makes them faster. He gives him a guy who can check and score. If he's healthy, he can put in 20 goals. But there still doesn't appear to be a definitive timeline for his return. However, Mikheyev himself thinks he's close, but the bosses want to be careful. I think he wants to play uh, tomorrow, but I think we, uh, we're at that uh, stage here where uh, uh, it's a fine balance uh, when pushing him or not. But uh, he's done, uh, I've been, been really impressed with uh, how he worked uh, and, and how he's been uh, 
really pushing it to be ready. Uh, it's, it's a discussion between uh, our medical staff and Ilya and, and the coaches here. Uh, I would believe that uh, he's, he's pretty close to returning here. Now, it was perfect scheduling for opening night in the NHL. Connor Bedard's first game against his boyhood idol, Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Connor Bedard not only studied as a kid how Crosby played, he also studied how he conducted interviews. And for Bedard's first game, the first face-off was against his hero. Yep, they're in Pittsburgh. There's Sid, there's Connor, and there's the draw. First goal of the game, Brian Rust never sleeps for you Neil Young fans. That uh, made it 1-0. Bedard had chances, but fellow BC boy Tristan Jari was making all the saves off number 98. This was a good chance right here in front of the net. Sidney Crosby has scored. Bedard does have an assist. Those goals came, goals came very recently. It's 2-1 for Pittsburgh. Jonas Johansson has to fill in for Vasilevsky in Tampa. This was the first game of the day. It featured a penalty shot. This is in overtime. This is a penalty shot for Brandon Hagel. And Tampa won this game by the score of 5-3 over Nashville. Still to come, Vegas will hoist the banner against the uh, Seattle Kraken tonight. Mm. There you go. All right. Thank you very much, Squire. Tofino's soulful tribute to a legendary skateboarder next on the News Hour. All right, let's check in with Andrew for a look ahead to Global News at 11 tonight. And Thanks, Sophie. The NHL has sent a memo to teams clarifying what players can and cannot do as part of theme nights this season, which includes a ban on the use of rainbow-colored stick tape for Pride Nights. We'll have reaction. And an official announcement is expected this evening about the expansion of the Langley Events Centre. Township Council had voted months ago to increase funding for the project, which will include three new ice rinks and two dry floor arenas. We'll have more information about the new facility and what visitors can expect going forward. Coming up tonight at 11. Sophie, Chris. All right. Thanks for that, Anne. All right. A utility line on Vancouver Island is not like the others. Dozens of pairs of shoes have been dangling from the wire at a Tofino skate park for years. And why they're there is a mystery to many, but Kylie Stanton solves it for us tonight. They may come to see the crashing waves and rugged coastline, but here in Tofino, something else has tourists and locals alike looking up and asking questions. Who took the time? Everything from hiking boots to ski boots, a pair of Nike Airs to whatever this is. I've seen uh, ballet slippers up there before. Hundreds of shoes tossed over this line, now a fixture at the Tough City Skate Park. I don't know the story behind the shoes. I just, uh, I don't know, you see them here and there. Venice Beach, California. It's become a common sight in cities around the world. So I guess some people don't need their shoes. And there are plenty of theories as to why. Some say it's gangs marking their territory or a sign drug dealers are open for business. And then, of course, it could just be a prank. Oh! But I like it. As it turns out, in this case, the shoes serve as a memorial. Jamie Collins died in August 2012 in a cliff diving accident in the Kennedy River. He was 33 years old. His father, Bob Collins, tells Global News he put a lot of time in with kids to bolster the skateboarding community all over the island. So it's a way, a way of showing uh, respect to um, 
to that community member. Over the past decade, the memorial has only grown in size. TELUS would be responsible for the line should the weight of Colin's memory become too much. And while some have cold feet... Are you tempted to throw your shoes up there? No. <laughs> no. No, we've only come, I've only come out wearing these. It's clear Collins was someone who was game for anything. And his loss has left some pretty big shoes to fill. Callie Stanton, Global News. Beautiful writing. I love it. <laughs> That's love good. It. I don't know if TELUS is going to send somebody out to check that in the next couple of days, though. We'll see. Uh, okay, last word on weather before we go. And uh, how much sunshine is in the forecast here, Christy? Well, we're trending towards sunshine by tomorrow afternoon. It'll be tough to sort of uh, figure out when that cloud will clear, especially for those of you in the Fraser Valley. It may linger a little bit longer. But we are all expecting sunshine Thursday and Friday with highs up to 20 degrees potentially Friday afternoon before the rain returns over the weekend. Tough for soccer players, but at least we catch some sunshine on Friday. Between now and then. Yeah, the time. Darn. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.